is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Moomoo Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge, which is being presented by Honda Marysville. I'm Bob McElligot, along with Jody Shelley, the Blue Jackets, in the midst of a road trip. They have made two stops so far, and they're 0-4 on this trip as they get set to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night in Tampa. And Jody, you know, the first two games of this road trip against the Dallas Stars, uh, they were both very disheartening. They were both uh, almost identical. The Blue Jackets got the first goal. In one game, they gave up four straight. The next game, they gave up five straight. Then coming into Florida in the first game against the Panthers, it was uh, it was a game that looked like the Blue Jackets again. I mean, they battled. They uh, they were playing with the team concept. Uh, they were down three to two late. They had the goalie pulled. They had an opportunity. They wind up losing that one four to two with the empty net goal. But at least you came away from that one feeling like, all right, that was a good competitive effort. They just didn't get uh, the goal that they needed at the very end. But then comes last night's game. And they get down two to nothing. It was another situation where they give up two goals in about 18 seconds or whatever it was. And Jack Rosovic gets them back into the game. It's two to one with 57 seconds left in the first period. It looked like he tied the game, but that one was waved off because the goal or the play was offside coming into the zone. And all of a sudden, it's two to one at the end of the period. You feel good. You feel like you have the momentum. At the end of the game, it is five to one in the second period is where it got away. Um, as you assess the four games on this trip, just what's your overall view? What do you see of this team and what it is right now? Yeah, it's a team that's had some um, really the core with the injuries and the movement. The team concept is trying to be taught on the fly. And I think you still have players that are, were learning it who were here before the deadline. Uh, and, and the glue is kind of, I feel like the glue is, the glue is gone on this on this team right now, and what, when I see it, when I say that, I just mean like let's go just back to last night's game. You know, they played the game before that. I thought they played really well. They gave themselves a chance to win the first game in Florida. You know, Elvis played well enough to win uh, when he had to. Um, you had players checking much better, and and with the Blue Jackets, we've said this for five years now. They have to do it together. It has to be five guys, actually six guys, on the same page at all times on the ice. All times. So when Seth Jones is backing up and defending uh, a rush and there's a back checker coming, it gives him that feeling of confidence. It's an, a reassurance that they're on the same page, and he's able to pick the puck and go the other way. Uh, I thought they checked much better. They stopped plays. They were in the face. They were anticipating on arrivals, meaning when Florida was getting to the puck, the Blue Jackets were right there on top of them. It was almost like they took their time and space away because they were anticipating, not hesitating, because they were confident in what they were doing. Now, that's when you start a game, right? And then I thought the Blue Jackets kept that up. The second period's been tough for them. And a couple times it's been line changes. Teams try to take advantage of uh, matchups with younger players or changing at wrong times, and they get those offensive zone chances or extended shifts when players just – ice the puck. So there's a little bit there, but then in the third period in that first game against Florida, I thought they kept with it. They, they were going to, they were, they were right there to win. So that's why yesterday was so disappointing because when they got behind two goals early, it was individuals playing. And I, I've been there. I've been on the bench. I know the team concept. I understand what you're trying to do, but when you go over the boards, it doesn't matter if you're a guy who's played four NHL games or 400, 
you just try to do too much. You try to say, okay, I'm going to break this open. I'm going to be the difference. I'm going to do this or that. And you, you totally focus on just yourself and your play. And that's where it gets away from you. And that's where we see a really disconnected group uh, working hard, trying to play with passion. But you go out, you come back, you feel like you're spinning your wheels. You feel like the other team is all over you. And you really give them that too, because, you know, you'll try to make a pass. There was a couple of times last night, even where Texas and line a, it's quite early in the game, but instead of they're, they're across the center red line, I'm not picking on them. These are just examples, but they cross the center red line. As they do that, they're heading into the offensive zone. They try to pass it to the middle of the ice where there's ice open available in front of them to skate or just chip it ahead. It, it's, sounds like a very simple play and it is, but it, what you're doing is you're not offering up the puck to the opposition in an area where they can get it. You want to keep it with this team right now. They need to keep it in places of advantage places where it's best for them. You know, uh, baseball is on right now. The analytics are huge, but simplify once you, once you open that door to the middle of the ice and try to make that cute pass teams are all over it. So and that's when we heard Torch talk about playing north. So, you know, playing north is going towards the opposition's goalie. Uh, and, and they really invite the middle of the ice, and I think that's where they get away from it. And that is the individual play. So, for me, uh, a little disconnected, missing players who understand how they have to play here. Examples out there, shift after shift. You know, I thought the third and fourth lines uh, had really good shifts consistently the last two games where, you know, they're in the offensive zone. Uh, they're playing straight ahead, straight ahead hockey. They're playing like they have something to prove, which I think everyone is trying to do right now. Uh, but they're not overcomplicating it with, with dangerous plays, we'll call them, where you're in dangerous areas at the blue lines or, you know, where you have to get it out in the defensive zone. You have to get it in the offensive zone. They're just playing straight ahead and trying to be a handful for the opposition. And those are the shifts that, that where you, you feel like they're going to get back into it. Goal scoring is at a premium for the Blue Jackets. They're really having a tough time. Uh, I was encouraged by the power play goal last night. Um, you know, but... That's where they're at. Uh, they need the goaltenders. Listen, they need the goaltenders to make the save, but the team concept defense is their bread and butter, and they're not totally in tune with it right now. So that is my answer to your question. Right at the end there, what I said. Not all the other stuff that was added, but the team defense helping the goalie, that's their bread and butter. Yeah, well, that was all a great setup for it because it, it all that it. I mean, that is the process, though, right? I mean, you can you can just say it's it's the team defensive concept, but. You know, you explained it perfectly and how everybody has to to play into that. And you're right. We've seen it. We're, we're used to it. And that's I think that's what makes it so tough. Um, I, don't, I don't know how it is for you, but I'm calling the game and I'm watching this and I'm like, what is this team I'm watching? This is not what we've become accustomed to. This is not where the expectations are for this franchise right now. No, and you have to stay there, Bob. I mean, that's uh, that's what has been created around here. You were here long before this team did what they've done the past five years and that's create a standard. And, and, you know, you can say what you want about what they've only won one playoff round, one playoff series in their franchise, the way they played hockey, we're all proud of it. The way they play, the way they're in the face, the way they're hard to play against. Um, there is an expectation here for this team to do well. And that can't be lost. I think that's a major part of, of uh, the culture of Columbus, Ohio and the culture of the Blue Jackets. And I think that it's been uh, an evolution. And right now you have pieces that understand that. And the core pieces you have are really good, uh, really great individuals uh, in that locker room. Some of them are injured. Some of them are playing. 
but they need the support and they need to find it and they need to get back on top of it right away. So keep the expectations high. That's where we're at. Uh, this is not an easy time, uh, but this really sets up and it's hard to think about it right now, but the off season for this Columbus Blue Jackets organization could be the biggest ever. And I say that with um, looking at the landscape, looking at teams that have zero chance of keeping some of their stars because of salary cap space. Uh, Tampa, who the Blue Jackets are going to play now. I mean, there's players on that roster who every team in the, in the league would love to have uh, that just won't fit in. They've been trying to get rid of Tyler Johnson uh, for the last year and a half. He's a good hockey player. His salary might be a little high, but that's just an example of a player. Coleman's a free agent. Uh, they've won Stanley Cup. So that's one organization, one example. But when you look around the league, the, the salary cap is flat. There's an internal camp that, cap that's going to be uh, imposed because uh, teams have operating costs and they don't want to get above that, of course. And then you have the expansion draft. And the players that are going to be moved around and shuffled, Jarmo Kekalainen, he knows where he's at. He knows this is a tough time. He's evaluating. The wins aren't there. The fun and the joy isn't there for the players when we watch them on the ice. That's just what we see. Uh, but they're trying. They're trying to get through this. And then when the offseason comes through and, and Yarmo talks about reload, I, I believe him because uh, Yarmo is a smart guy. He knows the league. He understands the landscape. And they've cleared a lot of space to get ready to add to this roster and put us back to where, what you just said, where we expect to be. And I want to ask you, you mentioned evaluations. And I don't, I don't want to talk about the young guys right now, like Josh Dunn, who's played four NHL games that we're going to have uh, on here in just a few minutes. But when I was on my drive last night from uh, South Florida over to the Gulf Coast here in the Tampa area, um, which, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here now. Everybody wants to do all their outside yard work right now in the middle of this show, so that's great. But um, <laughs> I was thinking about hey, the Bob, veteran players. I, you know, it's, I, it snowed last night in central Ohio. We, have, we had snow on the ground this morning when we woke up. So tell us more about Florida and the lawnmower. <laughs> trees cutting the trees down and doing <laughs> anyway um but i, I want to talk to you about the veteran players because as i think about it seth jones i think is he's playing seth jones hockey i mean he, he's doing what he can do i think michael delzato and him um not that you can not have drop off without a zach waranski but i think that pair is you know pretty close to being just that uh oliver bjorkstrand i think is is fine we saw him set up a couple of nice goals there in dallas but once I get past those three guys, Jody, I'm looking around and I'm saying, boy, they're, you know, some guys just don't look like they normally look. And I'm talking about those veteran guys that have been here and they've gone through and they know what this is supposed to be. What do you think? Yeah. You know, and there's a, there's a part of this that, uh, you know, Cam Atkinson's been here for, he grew up here. He watched it and waited for any kind of some sort of success. And then, he was on the line with Artemi Panarin and Pierre-Luc Dubois and at the top of his game. Uh, he's the guy that wears an A for the team. And, you know, I, I, when he sees guys leave the locker room, I think it's, it's, it's hard to take, but he's, he needs to turn that into the energy and the leadership. And I think he will. I think he's trying to do that. Um, Cam's a guy who likes to hide when the attention is, on someone else in the ice. He's a guy that plays well with better players. Obviously he understands concepts and games. He's close to scoring goals and not that goals are the answer, but you'd like to see some of these guys have a little success so they, they can relax a little and show these guys, young players um, 
what it's like to be a Blue Jacket. It's imperative. Uh, when I think of the, the veteran guys, I think of Boone Jenner, Zach Wierenski, uh, Gus Nyquist. They're all on the shelf. Uh, Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, Oliver Bjorkstrand. You know, those, those are the key pieces to this organization. Um, you know, Gavrikov, he's been here for a few years. Uh, he's still, you know, there's still, he's struggling a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, you, we expect a lot from each individually. Um, when the team is struggling, you can see the players who are really reliant on the team concept. And I think they all should be. Uh, and, and that's where they have to get success. But I think it's frustrating as a player. It's frustrating because, you know, Cam expects to play to be at a certain level. He's not a guy that can drag everybody to a certain level. He's not going to pick up the puck behind the net and skate through everyone and score and go line up. I don't know who is in the NHL, but he's a guy that, you know, he needs to give and go play. He needs to get the puck and give it back. He needs those good passes. And there's been games, Bob, to be quite honestly, where it looks like they can't even make two passes in a row. They just seem that much out of sync. So that level of frustration, um, you know, there are things that you cannot, that, uh, that can't be excused. Back-checking effort, effort on, on uh, battles, um, how, you, how you, you know, how you complete a line change with your effort to the bench. You like to see all those to be high level and high intensity uh, and, and, and non-negotiable. Uh, but I get the frustration on some of the veteran guys. And, and you know what? I just hope the guys like you mentioned, Bjorkstrand, Jones, uh, they continue to lead the way. And I love Dolpy in there. I mean, you know what? He's, he's a guy that's just trying every shift. He's playing like he's got something to prove. And that's exactly what happened a year ago with Gerby and those guys when they came in the lineup, kind of refreshed everything. Uh, it's nice to see that. And hopefully those guys can drive the team. Uh, into having a little success here down the down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. They have to drive the team. That's just a fact. Fair or not fair, th those are the guys that you're relying upon to get it done. Well, Josh Dunn is a guy that, as I mentioned, he's been here for four games. He's in the happy-to-be-here category, but he's also a guy that has a, a tremendous opportunity right now. He is a big-body centerman for a team that is struggling to find centermen, guys that can play in the middle of the ice and be responsible uh, defensively, we've talked about that all year, the defensive responsibilities of the center, uh, how they have been uh, it kind of exploited because you have guys learning on the fly here. Josh Dunn has a chance to learn, learn quickly. He's right out of college, so he should be in study mode. We're going to talk to him right after this and pick his brain a little bit as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues here on 97.1 The Fan. CBJ Homage Ticket Packs are now available, and each pack includes a game ticket and a limited edition Fire the Cannon shirt. Quantities are limited, so you can text the keyword BOOM, B-O-O-M, to 26791 to purchase or visit bluejackets.com slash homage. Well, in this season that has been frustrating for the Blue Jackets, it's been frustrating for you, the fans, uh, but there are definitely bright spots in it, like guys that get a chance to come in and show what they can do in the National Hockey League. And you know what? If you're going into a, a real playoff run, maybe uh, guys get a chance, but they don't get as big of a chance as Josh Dunn is getting right now. Josh signed with the Blue Jackets as a free agent out of Clarkson, and he made his NHL debut in Dallas. He played two in Dallas. He played two against the Florida Panthers. He's getting ready to play against the defending Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And right now, he is with Jody and I. Josh, uh, thanks very much for taking time uh, with us. Uh, but, you know, I've always found guys in your position, uh, they're very eager to go and do interviews for some reason. I don't know why that is, but uh, <laughs> but thanks for doing it. And we certainly enjoyed watching you play in your first four games. Have you had to pinch yourself here in this last week and, uh, you know, really see if you're playing in the National Hockey League right now? 
Oh, first of all, thank you for having me. And yeah, I, I think I have. It's it's been it's been a crazy year this year with uh, even my season back at Clarkson, things getting canceled, guys getting COVID. Uh, and then I was in Cleveland for a bit, but now being here, it's just been a whirlwind of a year. But I'm very fortunate to be here, and it's it's been I got to keep reminding myself every day that I'm in the NHL. Yeah, well, it doesn't take long to remind, right? When you when you look up and you're taking a face off against Jamie Ben, I imagine that's a little bit uh, surreal uh, when you're getting taken to the corner by Radko Gudis or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, when 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 every guy comes in, I always talk to guys about that. Uh, that star factor, right? Where, where you are lined up against Jamie Benn. And here's a guy that you've seen play on TV and all of a sudden there he is and you're expected to win a face-off against him, which nobody could do in those two games. I mean, he was just on fire in that department. But what, what's it like for you when, when you're looking at these guys and trying to make that adjustment in your head? Look, I don't care who this guy is and how big of a star he is in this league. I've got to, I've got to get my job done one-on-one right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good challenge. Well, like you grow up watching these guys play, but then at the end of the day, when you play them, it's just hockey. Like, yeah, they're, they're some of the best players in the world, but uh, like you mentioned, you got to get your job done. And uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, show the organization what you're made of when you go up against guys like that. When you talk about what you're made of, um, what we're seeing from you is I, I know uh, Dylan Tyre, who does my uh, pregame and intermissions on our radio network. Uh, he said he talked to Chris Clark about you and, that uh, he asked Chris about what he thinks about your game. And he says, Josh is playing exactly the way that he did in college. And I imagine that's not so easy to do. It might sound to people like it is, uh, it is an easy thing, but when you're playing here under the spotlight of the NHL against the guys that you're playing against, uh, trying to make a good impression, all of those things, how have you kept yourself in check? How have you kept that game the same as when you were at Clarkson? Yeah, I've, I've, I've always played like this, so it just makes it easier, the transition, because I don't try to do too much with the puck. Uh, I just try to keep it, uh, obviously, going north and then play as physical and make it as difficult as possible. I'm a big body, so I want to use my body, and it's just each level, like my game transitions well, just because I don't over overdo things with the puck, and I just try to keep it simple, rely on my linemates and my teammates. So, uh, so yeah, that's why I would say, like, it's it's been, it's been a uh, pretty good adjustment as it comes to that way. Hey, Josh, uh, congratulations on your NHL debut. What a week. What a season. Uh, you were playing college just a few weeks ago. Am I, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy year. <laughs> so how did that end up? Because you could have had, you could have went back to college, right? And you could have had uh, another opportunity to go back there. How did that all come about with the Blue Jackets? Uh, yeah, so I went to the Blue, uh, going back a while, I went to their development camp the year, uh, the year before and I obviously had some connections with Yarmo and uh, Chris Clark through through Clarkson, and I knew they were interested, and I knew there was uh, some opportunity here, and I just I just felt like the time was right. I was ready to leave. I was close enough to finishing my degree online, and it was just an opportunity too good to pass. Okay, when you say connection with Chris Clark and Yarmo, I mean, do they come back once a year, and and uh, are they big uh, big donors to the program, or are they just guys that come around? I know they're proud Clarkson guys. We know that for sure. Uh, but, but what kind of relationship there? Uh, they do a lot for for Clarkson. I know they obviously give financially, but they also help out with our coaching staff and um, teach them as like we all want to continue to learn. Uh, so it was just it was just they're familiar with me. I was familiar with them, the character um the organization the culture so it just seemed like a pretty good fit at the end of the day and and then you get to columbus and i mean you get in the american league actually and and then you get to go to the nhl 
who gave you the best piece of, of advice? Did someone say something to you that you kind of think back to every day? Is it someone in your life that said, you know, you're getting this, that your dream is coming true. Is there a piece of advice that was shared with you uh, that, that you carry with you down into your days with the, uh, in the NHL? Yeah, I, th- I think Nathan Gerby has been a, a great example for me. He's really kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. And he was, I kind of leaned on him a lot uh, early in the beginning and he just kept on telling me to play my game. Like there's a reason why I'm here. And I just to be hungry every day because uh, millions of people would die for this opportunity. So it's just like taking each day at a time and doing what you can do and uh, making your impact on the game each day and looking back with no regrets. Well, Josh, I got uh, I got to go back a little bit, too. Did you leave home at 16 to go to Grand, uh, Green Bay to, to play? I mean, yes, it looks it, like yes, you were did, 15 yeah. or 16. So what was that like? Because that's it a big was, transition. Yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. It was it was really good for me because I actually didn't play much that year, so I was able I was able to kind of um, understand what it's like to be scratch and uh, be a teammate a little bit more. And I was actually with Andrew Peak down there, and it was it was actually a small world that I'm back here, up here with him now. Uh, but it was a great experience for me. I loved I love Green Bay. So I spent three years there. Uh, I love the coaching staff. I love the guys. It was, it was obviously a great city, so it was, it was a really good opportunity for me uh, going there. And I got to follow up with that. So face-offs against Jamie Ben. we talked about that. I, I mean, you pro- you could have had his poster on this, on your wall. You might you might have had it in college <laughs> this year. It, 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 is that something that's really hitting home with you? Stamco, I mean, Stamkos isn't playing anymore, but some of these players point, uh, players of the National Hockey League. Do you ever sit back and talk to your family about what, like, did you see me against Jamie Ben? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's the first thing they all said was uh, the face off against Jamie Ben. But like like I mentioned, you you watch these guys your whole life growing up, and then next thing you know, you're on the ice with them, and you're just like, wow, like this is this is kind of crazy. But uh, I think I look at it as an even more of an opportunity to be like, okay, like I, I belong out here. I can do this, and then uh, like show them what you're made of. We're talking with Blue Jackets rookie centerman Josh Dunn, and we'll continue our talk right after this as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues on 97.1 The Fan. If you have a 5- to 8-year-old boy or girl that wants to try hockey, registration is open right now for the Blue Jackets Get Out and Learn Introductory Hockey Clinics on May 1st and June 12th. Participation is free with skate rental provided, and the participants receive a hockey stick, gloves, and jersey to keep. Space is limited, but advanced registration is required. So sign up at bluejackets.com slash goal. Right now, our goal is to continue our conversation with Blue Jackets rookie centerman, Josh Dunn. You know, Josh, uh, the Blue Jackets fans have had a tough time the last couple of years with uh, a lot of players that have left the organization and, you know, they haven't wanted, they, they didn't want to be in Columbus for whatever the reason might be. Uh, you coming in here, it, it's kind of funny because you're from the St. Louis area. But as you come to Columbus, it's not like you're coming to a place that is very foreign to you because you had two sisters that played at Ohio State. Um, by the way, both playing a high level at Ohio State, Jessica and Jincy, and Jincy especially playing at a very high level. So it wasn't like you were coming into a place that you'd never been to before, right? Yeah, no, I've been I've been here a few times. My grandpa actually lives in Columbus, too, so it's even it's just a small world, but I was able to come visit a lot uh, growing up because Green Bay wasn't too far, and I was able to see them in Columbus and see the city. So I, I'm very familiar with the city, and I love it. 
Any intimidation about living up to what your sisters have done? I mean, they, again, they've been great players. And I know hockey is, it's definitely a family thing for you because you got the two older sisters, you have younger siblings that are playing and uh, haven't even, you know, reached the, some have not even reached the college level. Uh, what is it about hockey in the Dunn family? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I get a lot of crap for it, <laughs> but uh but no, um, we're very supportive of each other. And I think we do a good job of pushing each other each individually. Uh, we all understand that we have our own skill sets and we want to like show those um, through our games, but we push each other pretty hard. And I think that's uh, the big reason why it's kind of worked out well is we're able to skate with each other or push each other in the gym. So I think that's, that's been the biggest thing. Is the story true that you're the one that's responsible for getting them into hockey because they were figure skating and uh, and you kind of got them to come over to the other side. Yes, absolutely. That's true. <laughs> how, how did you do it? Was it like, was it a really big selling point or, or was it a, a pretty smooth transition for them? Um, I honestly don't remember that much of it, but I just, <laughs> I just know that they were, they're super competitive. So uh, when they saw you're allowed to hit people, I think they took that as an opportunity to beat up on their uh, little brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I ask it is because I, as soon as I, I think about uh, a girl that was playing hockey because of her brother, I think of the original Mighty Ducks, right? Where the brother said, if I'm going to figure skate with you, you've got to play hockey with me. <laughs> and it worked out pretty good there. So I guess it's worked out just as well in your family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, what, what are the uh, pond hockey games like in the Dunn family? Uh, competitive. There's, there's, uh, definitely some penalties if there's some refs there, but, uh, we try to enforce it ourselves. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, after every game I played, I used to talk to my dad and, but who do you talk to? Do you go through the whole family? Does everyone have a little bit of input for you after every game or is it a FaceTime call with everybody? Oh, it, it depends on the day, but yeah, a lot of times they all give their, their feedback. They're usually pretty supportive of me, but but yeah, they, sometimes they can obviously see stuff and they'll tell me, but no, I, I usually, everyone will send me something there. Like I said, they're very supportive. Uh, they're usually pretty nice about it. They don't tell me uh, straight up if they think I had a bad game or not, but uh, they're, they're good about it. Hey Josh, what's the best thing about being in the national hockey league right now? Just, uh, it's just a dream. Like I know it's kind of a cliche, but like you grow up and you we mentioned the Jamie Ben earlier, you just grow up and you, you watch this and you fall in love with the game and, uh, you just play and then you get to this level and you're just like, wow, like kind of like pinch yourself moments, but then you realize how hard it is to like, you see guys, how hard it is to stay in this league. And it's just, it's just, just taking each day and just realize how uh, thankful I am to be in, the, have this opportunity and be with these guys. And I think that's just the biggest thing for me. Do you call your friends and say like, you got to see the jet or the, the hotel? <laughs> I mean, I, I love, all that stuff. Do you recall? How about the buffet, the food available? It's unbelievable, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's so good. Um, but uh, no, I, I a lot of them will usually reach out to me. I don't want to come off as like the, the big materialistic guy, but they're they'll ask me about it, and uh, we'll get a good laugh out of it, just because it's it's obviously a lot different from the way uh, I grew up and the way uh, we were treated. <laughs> Thirteen-hour bus trips now to a couple planes right there in thirty minutes, so. It's all good. Hey, uh, I played for John Tortorella. How many questions do you get about him? And are you surprised at how great he is and how, uh, how much he, how much time he has for you? Uh, I, I, from the beginning, I, I, I had really, uh, I've heard a lot of great things about him from the players. 
And I think like he gets a bad rep a lot of time from the media, but I don't think he really deserves that. Obviously I don't know him um, all too well, but he's, he's been great. Like he cares about the players. And I think that's something that gets, that gets overlooked, but uh, he's obviously an unbelievable coach. And I think it's, uh, I'm fortunate again to have him as a coach. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think it's, it's been really good so far. He's been great with me. And I'm um, again, thankful for the opportunity. Hey Bob, we still, he's the first question with everyone we see. It's uh, house torts. Right. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. The, the people that have no idea, they, they, they always ask like, what do you like to work with? And, and it's awesome. And then you should see their face. They're like, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, he's, he's, he's great. He, he really cares. And that's, it's awesome to see. Hey, Josh, I got to ask you, um, you know, you mentioned this past year, it's, the past year has been so weird for all of us during this pandemic. And, and as a hockey player, there's, you know, I was thinking when Jody was asking you about the plane and the hotels and the, the spreads of food. This is still not even close to what normal life is in it the National better. Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, it does get better. It gets a lot better. But, you know, how, how are you dealing with that? I mean, you're coming in, you're joining a team, uh, you're trying to get to know guys. That's not the easiest thing to do because they want you socially distanced. Uh, you know, probably the most time you spend with each other is when you're on the bench during the course of a game. And you went through the same kind of stuff in college. Now, those guys you probably knew better, obviously, but uh, what's it been like for the past year or so just having to deal with all of this in, in your work as well as in your personal life? Yeah. You mentioned at college, it was nice because I knew a lot of the guys and we we're kind of in our own little bubble. So we were able to see each other more, but um, it's tough here because I'm a new guy and I want to get to know these guys, but obviously there's some rules in place and I absolutely understand them. Uh, it, it just makes it tough, but I mean, we still get time uh, lunches and just like, it's, it's, it's just it kind of is what it is at the end of the day. But uh, uh, I understand that I'll get more opportunities to reach out to the guys individually and kind of get to know them better. And I think that'll just make me more comfortable and then they can uh, start to know me better. And it just it just develops from there. But, yeah, it's, it's just a weird year. And I think, uh, yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> well, I, I will say this. Uh, even though the the rules on the road are pretty much you can go to the rink and you can go to the hotel, uh, the hotels that you're stuck in on the road in the National Hockey League probably are a little bit better than the ones that you dealt with <laughs> when you were playing in Clarkson, I guess, right? Yeah, they're they're not too bad here, that's for sure. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of Clarkson, I've been to Potsdam. I've been up there and, and I've watched Clarkson and, and I, you know, it was at St. Lawrence. Jody and I both spent time in Syracuse in the American Hockey League. So uh, we know that's that's central New York. I mean, where Potsdam is, like the closest city really is Ottawa. And when you talk about snow, holy cow. Like, I don't know. Uh, there's probably snow there in the, on the 4th of July, quite possibly. Uh, <laughs> what was that like for you? Why would you choose to go to Clarkson and put up with that, for crying out loud? Uh, I, I loved it. Um, but, no, I think the biggest reason was because they believed in me from, like, the beginning. And I really liked the culture there they had as a team. And it was it was it was a great experience. I was really thankful I was able to go there. But uh, no, the biggest reason was because they believed in me. Uh, they gave me an opportunity, and they stuck with me uh, as soon as I got there from day one on campus. But I, I actually I know it's a smaller town, but I love the town. Uh, they're very supportive there. Um, the the school is great. The the guys are great. Um, the teachers were great about accommodating with us, and obviously they really care about their hockey there. So it was it was awesome. I actually I really loved it. Yeah, and they care about their hockey a lot in that entire area up there. And Absolutely. as you said, you're, it's it's small towns, and it's really some classic historic rinks too. What was it like to play in that conference? 
that was it was pretty cool like you mentioned a lot of the rinks were, were older i think colgate was one of the only teams that had like a newer rink but it was it was pretty cool to go to these rinks that guys have played at for such a long time like line on um and cornell like it was uh it was an awesome rink it was an older rink and it was just packed and it was loud and it was it was a definitely a unique experience with like the fan bases and and the game so i was i was actually i really enjoyed it i know a lot of players like to play in the new flashy rinks but i think it was a pretty cool experience overall when you go to those some of those older rinks that have a little bit more uh history to them do they still do the thing in cornell isn't it i think it's a cornell where they do the newspapers when they introduce the, oh, yeah. the visiting team and they like put up yeah. the newspapers and ignore you yeah they do and i know they throw them out there after a lot of times and we got those <laughs> we got thrown out a few times there so <laughs> Hey, what uh, what do you do on a day off? Today's a day off in the na- in National Hockey League. What's uh, Josh Dunn have in store? I'm actually not sure. I got to figure out what to do on a day off. <laughs> I don't I don't really know. I know I got some schoolwork I still got to do, so I got to stay up with that. But I'll, I'll probably text some of the guys, see what they're up to, and then see if there's something uh, that a lot of them do or something I should do. Well, your parents would be happy to hear you're going to do your schoolwork. That's that's excellent. <laughs> so, what are you studying? What what's your degree in? Uh, it's global supply chain. So it's, it's, it's been good though. Like it's a great major there and uh, it's, it's been good so far. What a time to study that, huh? Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, what perfect, <laughs> perfect timing. I know it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's good. <laughs> That's it. Right now is the time that you can learn, not just, uh, you know, the theories about it, but you can see it work in everyday life, especially with the pandemic and how everything's disrupted. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We learn that every day in class about how you just got to be able to change on the fly. And it's just the kind of the year it's been for everyone. Well, I hope you never have to use that quite frankly, Josh. I really do. I, I hope, that, <laughs> I, ho- I, hope that, I hope this opportunity uh, continues to do well for you again. It's been fun to watch you play. And, you know, we see a lot of guys come through and, you know, especially when the team's in this situation at this time of the year and, and you've stood out right? and not, as you said before, not flashy, just going out there and doing the job that you do night in and night out. So it's been a pleasure to watch you in the four games and look forward to watching you again tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Four games so far in the NHL, and he's not done. Well, yes, he is. That's Josh Dunn, Blue Jackets rookie centerman. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. The Blue Jackets on the road again tomorrow night in Tampa to take on the Lightning. 7 o'clock face-off, 6.30. Pre-game coverage starts right here on The Fan. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And Jody, uh, a milestone was set this week, uh, a huge milestone in the National Hockey League. Patrick Marlowe for the San Jose Sharks uh, has now played more games than Gordie Howe. Uh, a, a fantastic accomplishment for Patrick Marlowe. And when you were with the San Jose Sharks, he was a teammate of yours for a number of years. And, and I wanted to ask you about him because I'm watching these tributes go on. Uh, you know, he breaks the record in Vegas. Kind of sucks he wasn't at home, but, you know, he's in Vegas. I, I thought the Golden Knights gave him a fantastic tribute. The team and the fans, of course, uh, the league has uh, given him a great tribute uh, throughout the course of the week when he tied Gordie Howe's record and then he breaks it. Um Tell me about Patrick Marlowe, the person, the hockey player. I know I saw an interview he did the other day with Drew Remenda where he was like brought to tears when he was asked, you know, what it is that he loves about the game. He just loves everything about the game. Uh, tell me about him as a teammate, as a person, and who he is. You know what, Bob? He is uh, he is such a nice and a special person because um, my two years in San Jose, 
uh, we all want to be consistent and reliable. And I, and I think that's what a great teammate is. You know what I mean? And Patrick Marlowe was just that. And it was just so impressive to watch a guy just show up at the rink, do the work, and then go home to his family. And it was just, that's what he would do. He was always there to, to share a story or hear a story. He was always there for a chuckle. Uh, he was, he was just a, a classy, when you think of a guy who, um, does it right and takes care of things the right way, Patrick Marlowe does it from what I saw with first class. And that's the first thing that stood out. He's a guy like in the intermissions and this, <laughs> I'm sure you heard this already, but I would, so uh, let's start getting dressed. This guy puts his hockey equipment on in about 40 seconds. And, and it's like, I'm not, so I, the game clock ticks down. So when we're in the locker room, when the player's in the locker room before you go on the ice, the countdown clock is on. And when it gets to 16 minutes, we go out on the ice for warm up. So at about 25 minutes, 26 minutes, I start getting dressed. So I got my, you know, I put my skates on, I got my pants on, I got my, I'm just putting my elbow pads on. So I just have elbow pads, shoulder pads, jersey, and then helmet. Takes me, you know, probably two and a half minutes to do that. Just taking my time. I like to talk and do whatever. Patrick Marlowe would walk in as I'm sliding my elbow pads on. Like, this is like just before I'm going on the ice. And I'm like, I'm watching him. And I'm like, is he not taking warm up tonight? As we're getting ready to go out on the ice, Patty has got everything on. This is like two minutes later and he's fist bumping everyone. I'm like, it's like Superman. And, and he does it in the intermissions too. In the intermissions, he takes all of his equipment off and gets in a cold tub and then comes back, puts it all on and he's ready to go. And it's half the time. I'm just like, Patty. <laughs> but I don't know how he does. He must have slip on skates, but he, he's a guy that's taking care of himself in the gym. He works hard. You know, it's not like he's a gym rep, but he's a guy who gets the work done. Um, he's a farmer from Northern Saskatchewan, which is like the, the plains of the United States. Um, and for him to break the record quietly, it seems to be very appropriate. You know what I mean? Cause he is a quiet guy, a uh, low maintenance guy, which I, which is a compliment in, in my books. And here, when you talk about him getting emotional, I think he carries a lot of emotion. And I've seen him get emotional before, even in team talks or team speeches. Uh, he's a guy that cares so much and appreciates so much. And I think that is the biggest compliment, is that his classy uh, and how much he cares and how much he appreciates. It really is humbling to be around a guy like that. And to see him get the record, it's, it's marvelous. It's something that um, you would think would never happen. But Patty Marlowe playing that many games uh, and doing it only missing 34, I think in his career. Uh, I'm, 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 sh I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked and good on him. Congratulations to him. Thanks for asking. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, Bob, when you're around a person like Patrick Marlowe, uh, he's a guy you would, uh, you hope a little bit of that rubs off. 1,768 games, the heavy bulk of those with the San Jose Sharks. Also a little bit with the Toronto Maple Leafs and even fewer with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but uh, three franchises throughout the course of his career. 41 years old, and he breaks Gordie Howe's record. And um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we were talking with Josh Dunn about it being a, a weird year with the COVID and everything. I think moments like that are even more special in a year like this because we're all looking to grab a hold of the, the good stories that are going on in life. Don't you agree? Totally agree. I mean, I totally agree. I think that... Um... You know, the, the finer moments in life, the 
the the uh, the the ones that kind of take you back, the ones that you can really cherish and and enjoy with each other. I think those are the moments we're looking to appreciate. So, I, I think the league did a wonderful job. I think every team in the league did a wonderful job. I think all the players that were around Patty, uh, just to show for respect and class, uh, because that's what he exudes. So, um, yes, I agree with that. It's a it's a special year in a sense to, to do something like that and, and really have uh, the spotlight on him. So uh, very appropriate for Patrick Marlowe. As we go down this final stretch for the Blue Jackets and, and here in the Central Division, um, it, it's amazing to watch this. And I wish the Blue Jackets were involved, but looking from a distance, you've got Carolina, Tampa, Florida, all separated by one or two points in the top three spots. Now you've got Nashville sitting in that fourth spot. You've got the Dallas Stars coming up hard from behind. You've got the Chicago Blackhawks right in there. It's actually kind of two separate races, right? I mean, those top three teams, they're all going to make it in, but only one of the other three is going to make it in. And it's kind of fascinating to watch. Oh, it's a, well, well, how about the fact that if you're the two, three seed, you're in trouble. I mean, it's going to be a battle, but if you're the one, four, you're going to play a team that's, you know, Chicago or Nashville or Dallas, who's trying to find their stride, you might have a much better chance. So the race right now, the way it sits right now, Carolina would play Nashville. This is today. And Florida would play Tampa. And, you know, Florida made all those moves. You think they want to match up with Tampa in the first round? There's no chance. I mean, they want to get their get things going. Hopefully, uh, say Nashville plays Tampa, hopefully, or Carolina plays Tampa. Hopefully, they take a bite out of Tampa. Then they get to see them. That's how you strategize to, to, to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. First round's always wild, run and gun. And uh, right now, it is a dogfight for those three teams to finish first. And, yeah, that second race, as you mentioned, Chicago's still in it. They're a team that you, you, you're you not going to walk in that locker room and tell them they're not still in it. They're four points back. Um, so, interesting race. Blue Jackets, uh, you know, they're, they're in a different spot, as you mentioned. Uh, but they'll be back there soon. They're a team that's going to get back to where we want to see them. But for this race right now, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And how about Carolina? I still... I don't know why. I just don't, I don't, I just don't, I just don't give them the respect they deserve at times. And I, I, I haven't gotten but, it for but, three years, you know, and I, and I always look, I always look at their goaltending and I guess I should stop because every year I go, ah, they're not going to make it because of the goaltending. I'm the and same way. I'm the same way. Their defense is so good. Their center ice position is so good that that covers up for the goaltending. It's really a support system. They insulate, they play a determined game. And uh, they're a little bit like the New Jersey or the New York Islanders and, and, and the way they play and how they're put together and, and their team focus. So no one wants to play against them because, uh, you know, the, the series could be over before you realize it started. And that's the type of team they have. Last thing I want to ask you about here is uh, the Blue Jackets. They're, they're in a race to the bottom with Detroit. And right now Detroit actually has the edge on them. Listen, I, I don't want to go the rest of the way without calling another win, but also being a realist here, um, being bad is better right now when you're talking about where you're going to draft, uh, the position that you're going to draft in. Um, you know, again, I hate to say that, but well, I, I would almost hate to see this team win five in a row right now and blow that chance. We've seen it before, Bob. It's been done before. Where, Yeah, but those two drafts that it's been done recently, Jody, weren't a big deal because one, Connor McDavid was number one overall. The other one was Austin Matthews. So if you're going to blow it, I know what what you're saying. saying. McKinnon was available the first time Yarmo got in here and they went on a winning streak. And when that was the year when they had all the injuries. So, you know what? Uh, We want the players to have success and have fun. I'm not worried about the culture here in the sense that there's players here who understand where it needs to be. 
these final eight games, is it eight? These final games, the Blue Jackets, they just need to get I think through it's nine. it. Wait, two in, Tampa, two in Tampa, one in Carolina, yeah. six at home, I think. Anyway, get through like it that. and then get to the draft in the offseason. That's the focus for this team right now. Um, us as uh, broadcasters on the outside sitting in. I mean, I don't know if you're going to catch Buffalo at 31, but Ottawa, Anaheim, uh, right now they're sitting on a top five chance for that number one pick overall. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's the reality of where you sit. Uh, the higher the pick in a deep draft with some great centermen. Um, I don't always, I don't like talking about the future, but when you're talking about the top of the draft, Bob, it's uh, it's exciting. And then the pieces and the leverage you'll have to make the moves to make this team even better. So, look out. It's uh, it's fun to play the games. It's the best league in the world. Tampa, hopefully the Blue Jackets upset them. But I agree. They still want to finish. Uh, they don't want to climb too much higher in the standings. I think what I'm going to find out from the Blue Jackets, I think we all are, how are they going to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning? That's the one team all year that they have always gotten their back up for. They played a really good games against Tampa. Now with the change, <laughs> David Savard will be there, but he's on the other side now. Yeah. Um, what are these games going to look like? I, I see this as kind of a measuring stick. Yeah, this is. Um, I want to see a goalie steal a game, Bob. I mean, you know, you get so much energy off big saves and big moments. You want to see the power play continue to score. So in between that, stick with your game plan, hold and be patient. Um, I don't know if it's a measuring stick. I just want to see I just want to see them smack them in the mouth and, and win win one game there because it seems we all get a little bit of joy out of that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's the measuring stick right there. I just want to see John Cooper sulk one more time before this season is over. Uh, all right. Remember, uh, tomorrow night, the Blue Jackets are going to play Thursday, then not again until Sunday in Tampa. Game time tomorrow night is 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on the Wait fan a second. and the Blue Jackets radio network. What are you going to do in on Florida? Valley Sports, Ohio. What What's are you going to do in Florida all that time? What am I going to do? Uh, I'm going to do a couple of games. I'm going to watch my son play baseball. And then uh, I don't know what the father-son talk is going to be after that game. It could be really good. Could be. <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, I'm going to get to see him play and visit with him. And, uh, you know, he came over to Florida and sat with me in the booth a couple of nights. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Good. Well, enjoy it, Bob. And enjoy the weather. Remember, sunscreen. All right. Thank you, Jody. Appreciate it. That'll wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long. And thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.